0: Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to another Larry Huck Ministries podcast. We pray this teaching will fill you with God's wisdom, anointing, and revelation knowledge. Thank you for your prayers and faithful support. heard metaphorically the blowing of the shofar what's happening through America and Afghanistan has anybody heard the trump of the Lord the sound of the alarm saying we better wake up the Messiah is on its way amen I want to show you this right now you guys are good you guys are good Right now, we are, where are we at? The 22nd? For those of you, and we have so many new people that are watching by stream around the world. And let me just say, our stream family, um, you know, we were talking in the back after filming our, our television program on Wednesday. And we're in the back, and and uh, some of our people were saying, that they're talking to somebody on the phone at a hospital, and they said, are you talking about Larry and Tiz and New Beginnings? They go, we're Stream Church. And somebody else said their neighbor said, oh, my gosh, we wish we could go. We're Stream Church. We want you to know that all of you around the world that are with us on stream, you are part of our family. You are part of our our church and but we have so many new people and a lot of times people don't understand is there not an appointed time the word appointed is the word in hebrew moedin that on god's calendar there are appointed times because god is saying get ready i'm about to do something amazing Right now, we are in the month of August. In Hebrew, we are in the month of Elul. Elul is the last month of the year, and then God gives the world, he gives each of you and I a new beginning. The month of Elul is 30 days of blowing the shofar. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sound the alarm. Wake up, church. Wake up, church. We are right now, we are right now, the 22nd, we are right here on the month of Elul. So you look at where we go at the end of August, then you come over and we get into September. On on Monday evening, September 6th, we start Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah is a shadow of the rapture. Either the rapture will take place, and I, and I believe this. Either the rapture will take place, or on this evening of the 6, God opens your book. Each and every one of us, he opens our life. On the, on the, when the rapture takes place, he'll open the book and say, can you make it into heaven? Now, a lot of people don't understand this. Because we, 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 we don't understand the scriptures. Those who miss the rapture, they will stand at the, at the great white throne judgment. But those of us who make the rapture, we will stand, the moment we're raptured, we will stand at the judgment seat of Christ and at the judgment seat of christ god will look at my life he'll look at your 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 life life, and he will reward us or not reward us according to the good deeds that we've done to make the world a better place some people will will make the rapture but there will be no reward in heaven Some people will make the rapture, and those who have eyes to see and ears to hear, they will be rewarded forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Right? So let's say the rapture doesn't take place. Let's say the rapture doesn't take place. Still, the shadow, and remember the shadow means divine protection. The shadow of God will cover all of us who are not not just us. And, and forgive me if I'm sounding mean, but boy, I'm telling you, things are changing so fast. Come on, come on. Not just for us, not just those who who who. Uh, if if the rapture doesn't take, well, I'm trying to say this and be kind. If the rapture doesn't take place, on this evening, God will judge our lives. It's a shadow, just like Passover, just like Pentecost. It was a shadow, and then the real thing happened. But it's the same thing. It's divine protection. And so we blow the shofar for 30 days up to here because God is saying, get ready. Wake up. What have you done to make the world a better place? Why are we here? Well, we're here to worship Him. He's got billions of angels worshiping Him. We're weak. They're falling on the ground, throwing their crowns before. Our worship is good, but it's pretty weak compared to that. We are here. You are here. You are here to make a difference in a broken world. Right? So then we go through... Rosh Hashanah, then we get into, oh, excuse me, we get into Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is the symbolic of the rapture, it's the same amount of days. Then after the rapture, we get into Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles, which is symbolic of the wedding supper of the Lamb. Now, let me show you something. Can you, I have the map up there. This, what I'm about to show you, will tie directly in by God's great divine providence of what I'm going to teach today. Here, right here, is Afghanistan. Y'all heard what's going on in Afghanistan. We need to pray. There, we need to really pray. Because there are tens of thousands of Americans. You know, how many of you have ever been in the military? How many of you have ever been in the military? The code of the military and the code of America is leave no one behind. Shame on our president. Shame on our president for leaving these people behind. And 80,000 of our friends. Jerusalem Post wrote an article in Jerusalem Post that I read last night at 1 o'clock in the morning. Jerusalem Post always bends over backwards, Israel, to not make America uh, uh, angry with them. And they said, this is what America has become. This is what America has become. When there's nothing in it for them anymore, they abandon everybody. They turn their backs and walk away. I'm not telling you to watch the movie, but watch Charlie Wilson's war. Because it shows what happened when we turned our back on Afghanistan in, yep. in the in, in 1980s. Yep. We have Americans that need a miracle of God. We, Tiz and I watched Fox News this morning, and this lady's calling. She's hysteric. She's panicking. She's screaming. Help us get us out. They're coming in, killing the men, taking the women and the girls down to 12 years old as slaves. And we're doing the best we can, shame on us. I need to amen on that. Shame on us. What if that was your wife and your daughter and your children over there? Shame on us. Not to mention $85 billion worth of weapons are now in the hands of the same people on the anniversary of 9-11. Folks, this isn't an accident. This is a government that is trying to ruin this country. But I tell you, greater is he that's in us than anything that can come against us. But let me show you something. And this ties in with the message that God gave me to preach. And I, and I wasn't going this way until uh, um, a couple weeks ago. About eight months ago... Pastor Scott and I and Tiz sat with members of the Israeli government. And they said, we have Jews, a Jewish village in, help me say it. Huh? Kazakhstan? Kazakhstan. In Kazakhstan, there it is right there. In Kazakhstan... We have a village of Jews. Now, I want, you, I, want, and I want you to hear this. We're going to pray, and then I want you to hear the message I'm going to teach. They said, this is a Muslim country. Now, if you've ever, if you follow the Charlie Wilson war type of thing, if you remember when they drove the Russians out, you, they showed a clip going across the bridge from Afghanistan ...into Russia. So Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, Uzbekistan, Turkestan, Tajikistan... ...all of these countries were Russia, the Soviet Union. Then they became independent. In the last few months, the Taliban, a terrorist organization... ...met with Russia, China, um, Iran, and Turkey... ...and they're in cahoots to bring this all back under... So eight months ago in Pakistan, we weren't even allowed to tell you what we were working on. We couldn't tell anybody. They said, we have a group here, a village of Jews, that we need to get out. The, the window is open right now. Now, at that time, they said it's going to be about a half a million dollars to get them out. Well, at that time, we were raising funds for an ambulance... That we get every year in israel there was there was rockets going on, and we knew we needed some more ambulances, and we were doing some other things bomb shelters and other things, so we were sitting with them, and I said okay we 'll do half we 'll pay for half and they said well if 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 you would if if you would commit to that, we can start we can go forward on it because they got everything else going on, and then because of people in this building very gracious and helping and and our partners helping us with the ambulance and everything we called them about uh, how many months ago and said we'll do the whole project we'll bring all these kids back into israel and i said because of our people being generous and we're able to buy the ambulance and do these things First, they're bringing the kids in. The parents said, let's bring the kids in first, the teenagers, the the young people. And we have video. We're not going to show it now. We have video. I I was surprised. They look just like our kids. They're modern. They have hair and makeup on and jewelry. And, you know, they, they look just like us. I was thinking they look like, yeah, I don't know, you know, Bedouins or something. No, they're normal kids. And we said, okay, because of this, we'll go and we'll, we'll start raising funds for the next plane that mom and dad can get out. Right now, right now, there are whole Jew, a whole Jewish village that are, are getting out, getting ready to get out. The, the kids are coming real quick the kids are coming on the second or the first and then the parents because we're going to raise the funds we can get the parents out as fast as we can when we said yes we'll do this little did we know that the taliban and isis are already going into isis is all up in here already going in stealing teenagers taking young girls as slaves down to the age of 12 and killing the males. Little did we know when we said yes that this was going to happen. But thank God we have said yes. And lives are being prepared to leave right now. Folks, this is a miracle. This is a miracle of God. These, these they're Jews. They would be killed The girls would be taken in as as sex slaves. This This is why sometimes when God speaks to us to do something righteous, it doesn't make sense. But when you're feeling that tug, you need to step out and do what God's told us to do because who knows what is going on down the line. Can I have an amen? Let's come in agreement. And I don't know by internet or what if anybody in Afghanistan can see this or if you have family of Afghanistan. But let's come in agreement that God will do a miracle and get these men, women, and children out of Afghanistan and save their lives. Can I, can I have an amen on this? You, you understand how brutal this is? How, how ap- These are the worst people in the world that you would want someone, you uh, anyone, to fall into their hands? They're already murdering people. They're already killing people. They're already taking uh, uh, our granddaughter, Aviva. At her, she's twelve years old. She would be one that they would take and give to one of these psycho soldiers as their sex slave. Folks, we need a miracle. Now, we may be let down, and, I'm, and, and say, forgive me if I'm being too political, because a, a lot of pastors are saying religion and politics have nothing to do with it, each other. I'm telling you, religion and politics always dovetail together. That's why we are one nation under God. They always dovetail together. We need God to do a miracle for our people. I don't care if they're Christian or Jew. I don't care what religion. I don't care if they're Democrat or doesn't matter. We need God to go in and save these people's lives. Can you come in agreement with me? Let's pray together. Father, we ask you in the name of Jesus, the name that is above every name, the name that is stronger and more powerful than anything in this world. Father, lead our president, lead our country, lead our military into rescuing these men, women, and children that are Americans and that have been our allies for 20 years. Father, do a miracle, and we will give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. And if you believe God can still do miracles, give the Lord a great big clap offering. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. Thank you, worship team. I want to minister this morning on uh, Exodus chapter 3, if you'll turn there in your Bibles. And I want to minister on the conversation that Moses had with God and the burning bush. Read with me in Exodus chapter 3 starting with verse 1, and I want to read about 15 chapter, fifteen verses, and I want you to pay special attention because I, I'm, I've been working and preparing to do a message on the churches of Revelation and the end-time Jesus we find in Revelations. And as we went into the Holy Spirit, of course, the Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us and teach us, and God spoke to me about this message on the breath of God. But as I was studying it, God showed me something. And if you remember, what, a couple weeks ago I said I was going to teach this. Little did I know, it is a divine message for this very moment. Read with me in Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, And he led the flock to the back of the desert, and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of the bush. And so he looked up, and behold, the bush burned with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. Whole teaching in that. So when Moses saw that he, when the the Lord, the word Lord there is Yahweh, when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the burning bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. And he said, Here I am. And he said, as an example thus, Here I am. Then he said, Do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am, I am. First, Moses said, here, I am. And then God said, I am. Now, if I had more time, I would teach on that. If we're wanting God to be the great I am to us, it, ancient Jewish wisdom teaches we first must, when he calls us, say, here I am. I don't have time to teach this, but you get the gist. Then he said, uh, moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Then the Lord said, Yahweh said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cries because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. For I've come down to deliver them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land to a good land, a large and land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Pesacites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I've also seen the uh, the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore... And I will send you, I will send you to Pharaoh, and you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So he said, I will certainly be with you. I will certainly be with you. And this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. And when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers have sent me to you, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, in English I'll translate it, in hebrew in a minute i am who i am and he said thus you shall say to the children of israel i am has sent me to you moreover god said to moses thus you shall say to the children of israel the god of abraham the god of isaac the god of jacob has sent me to you this is my name and this is my name to all generations yahweh Now, I want to show you the word of Yahweh up here. In verse 13, we see that in the conversation leading up to this, we see that God tells Moses, I want you to leave Midian, and I want you to go back to Egypt, a place of danger a place where Pharaoh called for your death, a place that he feels that you're a traitor, and I want you to go and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. When Moses hears this, he says, the children of Israel are going to want to know, what's your name? Now, they've been serving in Egypt for 400 years, false gods, gods that have done nothing never done anything but they're going to want to know what's your name in hebrew it literally says they're going to want to know what kind of god are you what can you do what what, what okay i'm going to go to pharaoh they're going to say this, the, the god of abraham sent you what does he do what can he do because they have been for hundreds of years around gods who could do nothing false gods fake gods and we have in English, it says, tell them I am who I am. But in Hebrew, it says, which literally means tell them I am the God of miracles who was. I am the God of miracles who am. And I am the God of miracles that forever will be. Amen. The word Asher means a covenant promise or um, um, there is I'm the eternal one or there is none greater than me. So this is directly linked to Jesus being the same yesterday, today, and forever. He says, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, look at the miracles that I did. I am that same God then, I am that same God now, and I will be that same God forever and ever and ever for everyone who comes in the covenant with me. I am the one that no one, is greater than who I am. It, it, it literally means, the word Asher literally means um, eternal covenant. It means, uh, I'm trying to read it in English. It means uh, no one is equal to me. No one is equal to me. Well, look how powerful Pharaoh is. Look how powerful this is. Look how powerful what's going on in the world is. No one is equal to me. So he's describing literally who he is. I am. I am the healer. I am Jehovah Jireh, your provider. I am the one who brings water out of a rock. I am the deliverer. I am the one who will save your children. I am the one who sets the captive free. He is making a statement to moses of what he does what he did what he does and what he will forever do but then he says but my name is yahweh now we went over this the other day and the word yahweh in hebrew has no vows we've put vows in there so that we could pronounce god's name But in Hebrew, you're not allowed to say God's name. And I'll just say this real quick. I I taught this last week. In in Hebrew, you would not say uh, praise Yahweh. You would say Baruch Hashem. And that word Baruch Hashem means praise the name. And so all through your Bible where it says the Lord and and, and says Adonai, it literally in the original word is the name of God, Yahweh, how we say Yahweh. But in Hebrew um, it has no vowels and it's not actually a name. It is a sound. And I'm just going to say this quick because I need to get into what I'm going to teach. And you're, you're instructed that when you, when you would say the sound of God's name, you would not move your jaw. You would not move your lips. You would say the first part breathing in and the second part breathing out. So try to say Y-H, breathing in, W-H, bringing out, and what you get is... And this is why God is saying, I was, I am, and I always shall be, and let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Now, if we have time, and I'm not going to have you go there. If you look at Psalms 150... And it's all about praising God. When you come into my house, praise him. When you get up in the morning, praise him. When you when you go to bed at night, praise him. Praise me on the drums. Praise me on the cymbal. Praise me on the flute. Everything that God says to praising him has to do with breathing. If you're beating the cymbals, if you're beating the drum, if you're lifting up your voice with a loud voice and praising Him, everything that has, that He says at the end, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. This is why he said, be silent and know that I'm God. I am that still, small voice, as he said to Elijah as he was hiding in the cave. He said, I'm not in the earthquake. I'm not in the tornado. I'm not in the fire. I'm not in the running of mountain. But be quiet. Listen. And, And Elijah's at the mouth of the cave of God, and he's going, you breathe because I am God. You live because I am God. You win because I am God. So every time you're afraid, just be quiet and listen to yourself. When you're born, the first thing you do is. And then when you die, the last thing you do is. And in between eternity to eternity, we are to spend our lives giving him all the praise and giving him all the glory. From eternity to eternity, every moment of every day, we are praising the Lord. And so we're not to be worried about anything, but we are to give him praise and let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Now let me take you one step further than that. Think about this. There's life and death in the power of your tongue. Amen? Amen. Put a guard on your mouth. Why? Because every time we say something, every time we speak, we are combining the name of God to the power of those creative words. I'm never going to get ahead. I am more than a conqueror. My kids are never going to serve God. My kids and my family are all going to serve God and make Him their own. Every time you speak, put a guard on your mouth because you are sealing the words that you say with the name of God. Amen. Somebody ought to give the Lord a clap offering. Come on, you, you, you're, not, you're not getting that at the Presbyterian church. So the first thing we see in this is that God speaks to Moses and he says, I want to send you to Pharaoh. And we read and we study this that, well, the people are going to want to know what kind of God are you? But ancient Jewish wisdom says, yeah, the people would want to know, but the reality of it is, is it was really Moses who wanted to know what kind of God he was. It was Moses saying, You want me to leave here, go to Egypt, stand in front of Pharaoh, and tell Pharaoh, the most brutal ruler on the face of the earth, Let my people go. So, we read... That Moses says to God, who are you? But what you need to understand, what, what, what God wants us to see today, is that the first question Moses asked was not, who are you? The first question Moses asked is, who am I? Now, when we read this, and this is part of it, part of it that is absolutely true, when we read this... We the, the words that Moses says. If you speak Hebrew, he says, "Mi amokai," um, and it's more than. It's more than, and I'll explain minute, It's more than. Uh, "Mi is more than. Oh, who am I that I should go? And I'll explain that in a minute. It's 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 a it's a different way of saying it in Hebrew. And the first part, and this is the part we always hear, is that we think that Moses is being humble. And he is. And he is being humble to a, to a certain degree. Because we, we hear the message that Moses says, Who am I, who am I that I should go before Pharaoh? I'm slow of speech, right? I, I can't hardly talk. But if you read the scripture, when Moses says, Who am I? And then he says, I'm slow of speech. I'm slow of speech is way down here after he's running out of excuses. It's not like, who am I that I should go? I'm slow of speech. I, can't, I, I stutter. I, I, and It's an interesting story how he got to stutter. But he had a speech impediment. But he doesn't even bring that up to way down here because he's possibly looking for excuses. So when Moses says, "Who am I?" the first part we need to look at is something that I think we we need to address just briefly this morning is the aspect of humility because in in Judaism It says, especially in the last days, the ones that God is really going to use spiritually, financially, musically, talently, are the ones who are going to be humble. Pride comes before a fall and a haughty spirit before destruction. Something that's interesting is Moses, in the book of Exodus, it says Moses is the most humble man in history. Now, that's a strange statement because Moses wrote that. Right? It'd be like me saying, you know, a little more humility and I'd be perfect. Or, uh, you know, the only mistake I ever made is one time I thought I was wrong and I wasn't. But when we hear the word humble, we think kind of like, beaten down. Oh, I'm, I'm a nobody. No, you're not. Don't ever act like that. Oh, I'm a no. Why would God ever do it? No, you're a joint heir with Christ Jesus. So the word humble in English is a different translation than the word humble in Hebrew. The word humble means the least likely. I am the least likely for God to do something like that. Uh, I, I, I am, I am, I am nobody that God would use. And this is a common trait. And I just want to say this real quick because I believe in these last days and I believe it's starting now. It's not coming. It's starting now. There's going to be a great end time transfer of wealth. L- listen to me, everyone. Listen to me. Somebody is going to become wealthy. Might as well be you. Right. Right. Somebody's going to get new jobs. Somebody's going to get ideas. Somebody's going to have inventions. Seriously, because the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous. Think about that. It's stored up. There's no lack of money in the world. It just needs to get into the hands of God's people. But when you, when you think, oh, man, I am so smart, I am so intelligent, I am so... Listen, and the same thing with the gifts of the Spirit or the ministry or whatever. Pride comes before a haughty spirit, or pride comes before a fall, and uh, pride comes before a fall and a haughty spirit before destruction. When we begin to think, man, we are really something, that's the beginning of the end. When we realize... I don't know about you, but there's many times that I go, if they ever really realize where I came from, they're all gone. They're all out of here. But God uses the foolish to confound the wise. Amen. You, 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 look at, you, you look at Isaiah, said, I'm a man with unclean lips. Jeremiah, I cannot speak, for I am a child. David, who am I that you should send me? Jonah tried to run away. Jacob was about to run, and an angel blocked him and he wrestled with him. Uh, 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 Moses, Elijah, these guys prayed to die. They prayed to die. And so humble is, is, is not, oh, I'm a nobody. Humble is the realization, what God said to Moses, when Moses said who am I that I should go and God said I just need you to go because I'm going with you you're not Jehovah Jireh you're not Jehovah's sit Canoe you're not Jehovah I just need somebody to go and when you go I'm going with you as a matter of fact in ancient Jewish wisdom it said really said to Moses Moses you don't even have to do anything just go And everything that I am, remember, I am, I was, I am, and I always will be. Everything that you heard about Abraham, everything you heard about Isaac, everything you heard about Jacob, everything we heard about Peter, James, and John, I am that. And I am with you right now. So the first part of this is a sign of humility. And of, of the, uh, being in awe of God, in awe that God, let me just, let me, let me just throw this out, and I wasn't going to do this but because it, it sounds like bragging, but, and, and, and it is. Um, you know, in October, about four or five years ago, I was approached by members of our government and the Israeli government said, would you be on this advisory board dealing with governments around the world? And I said, well, let me pray about it. I I mean, anything I can do for our country and for Israel. And I came home and told Tiz and the family, I said, I'm way out of my league on this. This is way above my pay grade. And now I speak to leaders of governments all over the world. I'm very comfortable with it. Uh, In October, I'm doing a, uh, uh, a... banquet with vice president pence he's the main speaker i'm the closing speech and but i gotta tell you when they first approached me several years ago i said you know this is way beyond my grade this is this is i'm spiritual i'm not i don't know anything about these things but when god calls you whether it's in the business world or in investments or in your job or spiritually he will lead you and guide you, and teach you, all you have to do is say to God, here I am. Do you get it? Do you get it? So when God begins to stir you up about, he's getting ready to do something in you and for you. The first thing the devil will come to you and say, who do you think you are? All you have to do is say, here I am. And then God says to you, and here I am, the same yesterday, today, and forever. God's getting ready to do great things in your life. All right, now let me close with this. Let me, let me close with this. This is where God really moved me. Moses says, who am I? Ancient Jewish wisdom says, this is not just a question of worthiness. Now, I'm going to teach you something that I never saw until a couple weeks ago. Who am I is not just Moses asking a question of worthiness. It's Moses asking a question of identity. In ancient Jewish wisdom, they put it this way, and I'll I'll translate it in a simpler form. Why should I bother? Now think about Moses. Moses is the holiest person to the Jewish people in the Bible. But Moses isn't even a Jewish name. Moses is an Egyptian name. Moses was a baby when Pharaoh called for the death of all male children. Moses' mom puts Moses in a basket and sends him down the river. Moses' Hebrew name was what? Tuvia and Tuvea is put in a basket, and he's sent down the river. His, his sister Miriam is watching the basket go down rather than kill, kill the baby, and by a coincidence, the Pharaoh's daughter is bathing in the river, and she sees the baby and pulls it up. When she pulls it up, the baby is crying. She tries to get her servant girls around to nurse the baby none of the moses wouldn't take any of the milk and uh and so uh Marian comes up and says well i know a jewish uh nursemaid that can breastfeed this baby and so she goes and gets moses mother what a mighty god we serve So she names him at that time, brings him in the Pharaoh's house, and she names him Moses, which means uh, plucked out of the water or lifted up out of the water. It's an Egyptian name. So when God says to Moses, go to Pharaoh, Moses says, why, why would I bother? He wasn't raised Jewish. He wasn't... Uh, in a Jewish home for 40 years he lived in Egypt as an Egyptian prince 40 years after he was plucked out of the water uh, he has to run for his life and we make it into that Has to run for his life and now he's living in Midian for 40 years he's married got a job doing well has children and all of a sudden God comes and stirs his life. He sees this burning bush. He's 80 years old. Yeah. Yeah. And basically he says, what have I to do with you? Who am I? Why, why should I leave my comfort and go back to Egypt and speak on behalf of the Jews? As a matter of fact, the only time I spoke to them they turned me into Pharaoh for killing some, uh, 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 a taskmaster that was beating a Jew. They turned me in, and I had to run for my life. Pharaoh was going to kill me. And you want me to leave this my family my job my business my comfort i'm i'm doing good I'm, i'm i'm fine i i have no identity as a jew uh they never did anything good for me i have nothing in common with them but when you look at the history you see hints that god was stirring moses now as i say this I want to talk to you and you about God stirring you. Sometimes we're think, we're got, we, we, we get a stirring and we think, you know what, I need to help those kids get out of that country. I need to help build a bomb shelter. I need to help take... And we feel that stirring, but we're going, well, you know what? Man, I got my own bills to pay. You know what, I'm comfortable. I'm finally getting ahead I'm finally driving a car whose main color is not Bondo. (laughs) And all of a sudden, God, you want me to do this? Well, I'm a Christian. They're Jews or, you know, they're in Haiti. What what do I have to do with this? But ancient Jewish wisdom tells us there's always that underlying stirring that we're feeling he said even though moses was resisting he really knew it was god calling him he said if you look back they said look back and when he slayed that egyptian taskmaster that was beating the jewish person the bible says when moses had grown he walked out amongst his people now i don't have time to get into all that But it says when he's gone from being, let me say Christians, a milk Christian to a meat Christian, they realize this is not just about me. This is about me partnering with God to make the world a better place. And so the Bible says back then, 40 years ago, Moses went out, amongst his people now how did Moses know and, and and well i could teach on this for a month how did moses know they were his people well first off miriam went and got a nursemaid moses mother so she nursed him and you know a, a princess doesn't change diapers and do all those things so without going into all the details of it uh, Moses mother was there raising him Miriam was there raising him and Pharaoh's does anybody remember what Pharaoh's daughter's name was Bithya. Bithya, my daughter my daughter and ancient Jewish wisdom says because you called, called Moses your son which he was not I will call you Bitya my daughter although you're not, but I will see you as my daughter. And so even Moses' adopted mother raised him Jewish, raised him with understanding those are your people. But there's another thing is that Moses named his firstborn um, Gershom, his firstborn son Gershom, which means a stranger in a strange land. So even though Moses is settled in, it's Midian, uh, something's stirring him. He has a son, and he goes, I'm going to name him Strangers in a Strange Land, kind of like Leon Leon Russell. He's a stranger in a strange... (laughs) Shows my age. (laughs) In Hebrew, when you're feeling stirred about something, and I I do close with this. In Hebrew, when you're stirred about something, it's called Brit Goral. Brit out means a covenant of fate. Is your feeling stirred? How, I can't tell you how many letters and emails we get from people over the years saying, you know, I always was stirred about Israel. I didn't know why. I'm a Christian. I was always stirred about uh, 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 understanding more of this. I was always stirred. When you feel stirred about something, you feel stirred about the orphans we have in Haiti. Are the feeding programs in Cuba or Africa, 50,000 kids every month, 50,000 meals every month. When you get stirred about, can you pull up the map, about Russia coming in to this country, they're getting ready to make this again, the Soviet Union, they're in, they're in cahoots with this. They're in cahoots with the Taliban. They're in cahoots with Iran. They're in cahoots with China. They're in cahoots with with uh, Turkey. And you're going. You know what, man? We got we we got COVID going on, but you feel stirred. You feel you feel stirred that, you know, you feel stirred that you need to get in a life group. You feel stirred that you need to volunteer. You need feel stirred that you need to sing and worship and do your best. You feel stirred. This is called. Brit Goral, a covenant of fate. Little did we know eight months ago, when we sat and we go, you know what? Gosh, guys, we just did a half a million on Aliyah. We're, we got to raise one hundred twenty-five, one hundred fifty thousand for an ambulance. We got to plant these trees. This is this is Shemitah. We've got to plant these trees now. We got to, and they go, you know what? Just tell us, and I go, doesn't make sense, but we can do it. We'll do it. And as soon as we said, Here I am, God showed up and said, Here I am. That's the covenant of faith. Would you stand with me all over the building? You and I, how many times have we heard, Man, I feel stirred. That's the covenant of fate. And when you feel stirred, maybe we're like Moses. And, and you know what? This doesn't make me think less of Moses. This makes me, you know, think higher of Moses. Can, can you relate to Moses? Who am I? Why, send some, why should I go? I'm comfortable. I'm here. But we have a fate. We have a destiny. And our destiny is directly linked with the destiny that God would have with us and for someone else. It's a covenant of fate. So I would encourage you as we've been talking about the Holy Spirit. He will lead us and He'll guide us and He'll teach us. You know, we know, we know that a tenth is the Lord's. We know that. That's God's every week. Whether we pass the plate or not, I think they got things out there. And we know that that's and whether you're a child of God at home on stream or a child of God here in the building. that We know that. But then, and we know that offerings, besides three times a year, we come before the Lord, we don't come in, we know that. But there are going to be times that, man, you're just tending the sheep. And all of a sudden, you're going to feel that burning bush experience. And Moses said, I'm going to turn aside. va yar, va ya I'm going to, see why god is causing this to happen i want to see what god is doing and i'm telling you folks i, I tiz and i talk about this all the time i can remember back in portland we we're built we we're 12 million dollars debt free into a new project the church was booming things are going well and i came home one time and i said tiz i think we need to start a church in dallas she goes, Who are you? <laughs> what have I to do with you? And little did we know where this would lead us. We had to come here to be partners with Daystar, and Daystar standing with Israel. And it's, guys, we've changed the world, we've made history. Literally, you understand that we've made history. Guys in the back were talking. We're saying, "Said pastor, you know, uh, uh, everybody's writing books in doom and gloom in America, this and that." Can I tell you something? Those of us who say, "Here I am," our best is yet to come. We are, we are right now. We are right now living under the shadow of divine protection and divine destiny. And if I may say to you what Jesus' mother said to him, his first miracles, Jesus' response was, Jesus' response was, what do I have to do? What do I need to do with you? What do I have to do with you? And Mary turns to all of us And says, Whatever he tells you to do, do it. It's destiny. Amen. We are going to pray over our children. If we could bring our kids in right now, bring them down, and all of our youth, bring them down. We can walk a little faster. It's not a debutante parade. What can we sing? Where's Brandon? Where's my worship leader? What can we sing? What can what can we sing? As they're coming out, we are standing. You know, we are standing on holy ground. You don't know it. We don't know. We don't know. We are standing on holy ground. What have I to do with thee? Can we sing it a cappella? We are standing on holy ground lift your hands up in worship of these young people are we bringing our teenagers down and i know that there are angels time. We are standing, lift your hands and worship him folks, on holy ground. And that what God said to Moses? Amazing. And I up. Jesus now, we are standing in his presence on holy ground. Now, we're going to pray over all of our young people. And if you have young people, we'll include your young people in it. But I want you young people to look at me. This, your life right now, you are the most important young people in the history of Christianity. Because, and I want you to listen to me, because there has never been an attack by Satan on young teenagers, young people, young adults, as it is right now. Satan has infiltrated Our country, our government, our schools, our education, and you're going to hear all kinds of things about how the teachings of Christianity are wrong. What you need to understand this year in school is that God so loved the world He gave His only begotten Son. Jesus looked on a world with false teachers, false leaders, and He said, I'm going to go to the cross and die this horrible death and take the place of every one of us so we can have life. You're going to need to be strong. You're going to need to be moral doesn't matter what anybody says if it does not match what god's word says because god is love they're gonna say this is being prejudiced they're gonna say this is hate speech but what you've got to understand is god is nothing but love and so he loves us enough not only to die for our sin but to tell us how to live. When I first became a Christian, I was a drug dealer. I was a heroin cocaine addict. And I walked into a little church and I heard the truth. And that truth set me free. God loved me. I was a drug addict, a drug dealer. I was as many things as bad as you could be. But God loved me enough and the only way I got in there is that one guy that was a week old in the Lord came and told me about the love of Jesus. And I said to him, well, what about this? What about that? And, and he goes, I don't know. And I out talked to him. But what you've got to remember is something that I learned back then. I had a philosophy. Bill Trajillo, a little Mexican guy, had an experience. He had an experience with Jesus. And someone with a philosophy of telling you what I think cannot stand against someone with an experience of let me tell you who I met. There are going to be friends around you, people around you that are going to, you're going to feel the open door to say, you know what? It's Jesus who you need. When we look, when the world in Hollywood and the world Paints a Christian. Now think about that. I'm a preacher. Every time you see a preacher on a movie, he's this nerdy guy with a giant Adam's apple and just looks weird and just a just a nerd. And that's the way the world wants to print, paint the picture of preachers and Christians. But if you look in the Bible, King David, Jesus, Moses, people who are really People who follow God are bold. They're loving, but they're bold. They're kind, but they're strong. And so, there's never been a time when you're gonna you're gonna have to. When I when I first got saved, when I first became a Christian, we could we could go into schools. We could have prayer meetings. We could pray for people. We'd have meetings. They'd invite us in to, for me to tell my testimony today you are like the Apostles you're going into an area in which God so needs your light to shine never be ashamed of knowing Jesus never be ashamed of being a Christian and never be ashamed of loving God but let me say this to the parents and grandparents there's never been a time that you need to speak up more than when you're at home with your children They need not just to have you send them to church. You need to bring them. You need to pray with them. You need to talk to them. You need to instruct them. You need to guide them. Children are put in our hands, and we are the caretakers. Raise your children up in the ways that they should go, and when they're old, they'll not depart from it. Can I pray for you young people right now? Would you lift your hands up? as a sign of worshiping god and i want to pray for all of you that father you see these young men and women father first off we cover them with the divine power of the holy spirit divine power of the blood of jesus and divine power of the name that is above every name Father, I ask you right now, in Jesus' name, give them courage, give them strength, give them wisdom, and give them a covenant of destiny to be the children of God. Father, we, we speak divine protection over them from COVID, from sickness, but we also speak divine protection. We bind the enemy that would come against them We bind the enemy that would try to steal them. We bind the enemy that would try to harm them. And we speak that out of these young men and women will come, if the Lord tarries any length of time, raise up men and women of God, mighty men and women of God. We seal this on them in Jesus' name. And everybody who believes that The kingdom of God is in good hands. Give the Lord a clap offering. Amen.